right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Agora Podcast. I am your host, Michael. Uh, Jay cannot be here today. I think he's still asleep, to be honest. Um, but we are in a different studio because the one that we usually use uh, was booked before we could book it. But that's okay. We'll be back on the next time. So today we have Dr. Christopher Neck. He is actually a management professor here at Arizona State. Should I look at the camera? Yeah, if you want yeah, to. I mean, we want to do it right. Sure. So, so he's a management professor at ASU. Um, I have him on the podcast because I want to discuss not so much exercise science or nutrition science, but just more so mindset, motivation. Uh, he's a super busy guy, and so and he still finds ways to exercise and, and keep his nutrition at, at the forefront of, of what he does. And I think it pays off re really well for him because he's just such a elevated and just determined and motivated guy. So I think he has some really good insight for you guys and for myself to hear. So let's just go ahead and get started. So Dr. Neck, uh, go ahead and tell us about, a little bit about yourself. All right, Michael. Um, well, I am a associate professor of management here at Arizona State University in the W.P. Carey School of Business. I've been here since 2009. Prior to that, I was a professor uh, of management at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia. Uh, I have a undergrad and MBA from Louisiana State University and a PhD in management from Arizona State University. Uh, I do a lot of research on uh, employee fitness and diet and how that impacts their performance, but I also do a lot of research, practical research on myself, mm -hmm. sample size of one in terms of diet research, and I've done so, uh, I'm 53 years old, so for, for at least 40 years have paid attention to diet and exercise and how it impacts me. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think uh, hopefully my experiences, most of my experiences today have come from my own personal journey as opposed to my published research and, and how it's, it man, has, it, and maybe something I say can help your listeners practice uh, their diet and exercise uh, fitness regimens to make them better people. Sure. So go ahead and just run us through how you kind of got into employee health and fitness and uh, some of the experiments that you ran on yourself? Uh, well, I've always been, basically my journey, I remember as a young kid being an emotional roller coaster. There'd be days it'd be up, <laughs> days it'd be down. Yeah. And I was actually a really heavy kid. Uh, and I, and when I was in fourth grade, I started running to get in shape for football practice. Mm -hmm. And I realized that even though I was really heavy, uh, at football practice, when we would run laps, I would win because I'd been I'd been running all summer and yeah. during the year to lose weight. And then I also realized, and I actually kind of enjoy that activity. Mm -hmm. But through my teens, so I was always trying to experiment to how do I feel good. And I used to think, I grew up in the Deep South in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, mm -hmm. where everything was fried or had butter on it. <laughs> uh, you know, a nutritional diet was, you know, you'd have broccoli, but it'd be slathered with uh, butter or butter. something. So I was trying to figure out, Michael, you know, how I could feel good, and, and I started running. So fourth grade turned into sixth grade, turned into eighth grade, uh, and then I ran my first marathon when I was a sophomore in high school. It, but I was running. I was just running a whole lot. I'd get up in high school at four in the morning and run, and then I'd run after school. Not competitively yeah. uh, because I wasn't a fast runner. You know, in high school, you run one or two miles. But I realized that 
I could run long ways, you know, 20 yeah. miles, 30 miles, and people thought I was a wacko. But the longer <laughs> that I could run, I realized, you know, the better I did competitively. Mm -hmm. And so, but I was, all that time I was eating crap, you know, just, I define crap, just anything fried. I, I didn't have the knowledge. Yeah. So I guess to put it in, in numerical form, I, I, used, I used to think in, in terms of feeling good, the equation was 90% exercise and 10% diet. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty much what I followed up into uh, my college career, my graduate college career, early in my career as a professor. And then probably about the time I turned in my middle 30s, uh, my son was born, my, I have two kids, but my, and my, my son's now in college, but I remember just not being, I was busier, so I couldn't exercise as much. Yep. And so I was just focusing more on diet and just, okay, just gradually eliminating things. First it was red meat, then it was all kinds of meat, and then it was sugar, and then it was just, you know, gradually eliminating things and starting to say, man, I feel really, really good. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a period of trial and elimination that where I started early in my life knowing that exercise and diet was important, but I thought exercise was more important. 90-10 uh, in terms of feeling good to where now in my life I, I'd say it's completely reversed. I believe that it's 10% exercise and 90% diet in terms of those feeling good. Now understand when I say my approach, I'm not doing something to live to where I'm 120. If I do, that's fantastic. Yeah. My approach is what I do now is so that I can feel the best that I can every, every single day. Mm -hmm. It's not to add length to my life, it's to put more life into my days. And what, what I mean by that is that, what I learned is that ultimately, you know, you can exercise forever, but you will counteract the endorphins from exercise with poor diet. And ultimately, as you get older, you know, there's just not time to run 20 miles a day and yeah. 30 miles a day, and your body starts breaking down. And then, you know, you just, you, it's just much easier to say, uh, I'm going to uh, exercise a minimal amount to get my heart rate up, to get my strength up, but really focus on, on diet. And that's where I am. And uh, if, if you'd like, I'd share some of my, what, what my diet, what my, my approach is, if you want to hear it. Now, now, in terms of the actual research that I do at the university, it's, it's, uh, it's more of how diet looks at and impacts performance. It hasn't really gotten to the level that I've applied personally, and that's mm -hmm. why I want to get into more of the personal stuff. But... Part of it, Michael, and didn't stop me if I'm going off a tangent, is, is one, <laughs> what you asked, you were saying in my intro about how I put importance on diet and nutrition. I think the first thing anyone has to do is kind of set their priorities. You know, there's an old saying, if you have more than three priorities, you don't have any. Mm -hmm. And you just have to say, what's important to me? You know, what's important to me, first of all, is my uh, family, my wife and kids. Um, and taking care of them. Second is my students and my job. If I, if I can help them in any kind of way to be better people, then that's, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Third is the research and writing that I do as a professor, but that comes third. But, before, but if I can be good in any of those, to be the best, I have to, to take care of me. Mm -hmm. So selfishly, I put me as first, because to be the best father, to be the best husband, to be the best teacher, I have to be physically fit. And so I give it a priority. And, and you have, if you don't say, hey, this is the, the most important thing in my life, 
then you're going you're gonna to fail. And I'll tell you why. Because there's a lot of social norms and a social pressure in our society to trip you up. Mm-hmm. And unless you're strong enough to say, you know what, this is that important to me. I don't care about these social norms and these social pressures. Then yeah. you're going to fail. But in terms of diet, let me, let me kind of explain to you. And uh, Real quick yeah. before you start, I'll just preface it with, uh, like, like he said, he's just one, one data point, one sample size. So uh, if whatever he is about to say, if you, know, you have a different approach that does work, that's totally fine. People can have different approaches that, that work for different people. So if he does say something that you think like, oh, well, that's wrong. Well, maybe, you know, it's, it's not wrong. It's just what works for him. So I would just say. Absolutely, Michael. And I, you know, all your listeners, I, if I can say anything in terms of the, the fitness uh, goal is that there are, if, that, if, if being fit is the top of the mountain, there are many, many paths up the top of the mountain. And if someone Absolutely. tries to tell you there's one path, then they're trying to sell you a book. Yeah. Don't buy it. There's many, many paths. What, what I'm going to share works for Chris Neck. Mm-hmm. And maybe parts of what I'm going to share with you or some things that I share is going to work for you. Uh, but the first thing I want to say is, uh, in terms of fitness, is, you know, the general heuristic is, well, I want you set a goal. I want to lose 20 pounds in a year. I want to run a marathon by the end of December. And I'm going to say abolish goal thinking. And that sounds contradictory to a lot of experts because the problem with a goal, and I see it all the time, is people say, okay, I'm going to train to run a marathon. I'm going to run every day until this marathon. Or I'm going to eat right until I lose 20 pounds. But then they lose the 20 pounds and boom, they're, they stop. It's kind or, of like now what? Or they run the marathon and now what? And so I say, don't, don't view fitness as a goal. View it as a daily, a, a daily program to where you do something every single day just to feel better every day. Mm-hmm. And then, and as long as you can live with that and you're not restricting yourself, restricting yourself of things, then it's a lifelong pursuit. Yeah. Goals are short-term. And long-term, short-term, there's still a goal. So with that in mind, with in, in just to build on what Michael says, is that my plan is based on a sample size of one. Mm-hmm. And it works for me. It may not work for everyone. And so take what works and what doesn't work, throw it out. Uh, and so in terms of uh, in terms of diet, I think the first thing is we have to set a base and to change our mindset. So much, Michael, in my mind, is that diet is our food. Food is, to me, should be only one thing, and that is fuel. Food is fuel. But in our society, food has become a much bigger deal. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a reason <clears throat> to celebrate. It's, it's a, a reason to mourn. It's a reward. It's, I mean, think about it. You know, you're, you're talking about growing up in a family. When you celebrate, what's at that celebration? Yeah, exactly. Food. When someone dies, what's at that celebration? Food. You know, food is, is everywhere. Or I, I see this a lot where, you know, wives or husbands will, will show they love their partner by cooking for them. And then the other partner feels guilty if they don't eat it. Well, you know, <laughs> what, what, you have to do, what you have to do is view food as fuel and that it's your body and you have to take control of what fuel gets in there so if you change the mindset that food is something is is if you say food is only fuel then that changes up the story and actually makes diet much more easier 
because then you don't eat by the clock. You don't eat because it says it's six, it's seven in the morning or yep. noon or six o'clock at night. I don't do that. I eat when my body says, Chris, it's time to eat. And I've done this long enough to know it's my body really saying it needs fuel, mm-hmm. not that it's thirsty or it's tired. You wanna, you wanna get to know your body. And so if I'm with, say, my family, and we're out to dinner, and it's at 7 o'clock at night, and I'm not hungry. Well, they know me well enough to know I'm going to get a glass of water, and that's it. I'm going to eat when I'm hungry. And, and, and if I'm with friends, and they're eating something, I go, no, thank you. You know, you have to fight the social norms. Otherwise, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you're gonna lose this, this battle of, of diet because there's so many reasons to eat. And I eat, first of all, for fuel. And if you do that long enough, your body, I believe, starts telling you what you need. If you need protein or you need something high, and you know, <clears throat> normally when my body's saying I want fruit, it's because I'm, I, I, I'm not hydrated enough. I know it's just wanting something with a lot of fluids in it. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm really tired and sluggish, it's saying you need some protein. My body used to say, when I wasn't very good at listening, I needed carbs. You want carbs. Well, what I find out is my body rarely needs carbs, too many. That was a habitual thing. That, food, if, that, if, you, if, that if you start eating a food that you really don't need, if your body likes, it's going to be habitual. Uh, and we can get into that in a little bit. So number one is food for fuel. Don't eat by the clock. Eat for when your body says you're hungry. And once you start doing that, then I, I, I just found it's a natural progression. That's when my body starts saying, you know what, I really, it really doesn't want meat. I don't miss meat. Mm-hmm. I grew up eating meat, but my body never says, I want meat. Now, it may say I want protein, and that's when I know I need to grab a handful of almonds. Um, but if I just listen, and I, I, don't eat any, uh, I don't eat any dairy. I don't eat any meat, any kind of meat. All of my protein comes from nut sources or supplement sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, all of it, and some natural sources as well, because there's protein in a lot of things, a lot of whole grains and yeah. proteins. Uh, I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. I go to the store, uh, and most of them are raw or either steamed. People think I have rabbits at my house because I buy so <laughs> much produce and vegetables. Yeah. And the grains that I eat are all whole grain. Uh, I'll make my wife will make a whole 100% whole grain bread. For me because I know I don't I don't trust other people to make stuff for me mm-hmm. uh, so I know what's in it and exactly what's in it it's a very simple uh, and uh, a simple there's not a whole lot of variety but for me I don't need a whole lot of variety um, and um, I do have a so let, let's sum up what my approach is a lot of nuts a lot of uh, protein supplements yeah uh, a lot of uh, um, when I say protein supplements, but also those supplements will come in the uh, place of like protein bars, protein shakes that I make. A lot of produce, a whole lot of produce, and I drink a lot of water. I like drink a lot of flavored water where I'll flavor it myself with lemon or something because I just don't like plain water. Yeah. But I do have a vice occasionally, and this goes against everything, uh, <laughs> but I do, it, I reward myself after a real hot workout or something. Uh, maybe once every two weeks I'll have a diet Mountain Dew because I really like I like that taste. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have a problem with sugar substitutes because if you look other than saccharin, if you look at the literature, the real good literature, 
there's not a really a lot of long-term studies that, suggest, that exactly. any, any problems with the sugar substitutes. But that's what my diet is. But I wanted to get into when I was uh, before I add up in terms of the um, um, listening to your body is that you know you want to make sure, like I said, if your body's saying you're hungry, that you're hydrated, that you're not tired. Because a lot of times we'll eat for other reasons, even, exactly. you know, your body. Yeah. But did that make sense, Michael, yeah. what, I was, what I was sharing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would agree. Um, and, and also to say that, um, you know, people, people can, can almost do the opposite of what you do. Like, for example, you know, eat red meat, cook their vegetables and oil and, and do all this stuff and still, you know, have a perfectly healthy and, and normal life. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, once again, it's just, you know, what, what works for you and, and everything. So what I would say for, for people, for other people watching and listening is that, um, just, you know, like you, well, like what you do, experiment with yourself, find out what works for you. If you notice that you have some kind of weird effect after you eat, you know, meat or some vegetable or something, then no, don't eat that anymore. <laughs> well, and, and you're exactly right. Another <clears throat> thing, I well, first of all, I would say if you look at me, I'm on, and I'm, what I'm going to share now, I'll really show you I'm on an extreme, is I, I think you learn from the extremes. So another extreme is someone that eats fast food uh, every single day of the week and watch podcasts. So anyway, uh, what you were saying, building upon what you were saying, is I think you can learn a lot from the extremes and then apply it. But from a physiological manner, just so you just so that you know, uh, I get blood work done every six months mm -hmm. because I want to know what my uh, uh, indices are and yeah. how my diet's impacting things. And the older you get, you you even want to know. So <laughs> yeah. in terms of my cholesterol levels and protein levels and calcium levels, you know, they're all super super good. Uh, so that's working for me. But that doesn't mean someone else couldn't follow a much different approach and get the same you know barometers. And we're also fighting. You know, there's a genetic component to fitness as well. Absolutely. Uh, but another thing that I do, and this will really show your listeners that I am extreme, uh, at least once a week, I go through at least a 24 period, 24 hour period of a complete fast, mm -hmm. and that is water only. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, like seven at night till seven the next night or you know something like that and and sometimes if i'm feeling really sluggish i'll extend that to a 36 hour period it just depends and there's a ton of research that shows the benefit of fasting on mental state on uh, physiological state on emotional state and i know with me whenever i have to do some something big in terms of performing either teaching or giving a speech or working on a book, I'm usually at a fasted state. Okay. I, I don't do well on on a on a full stomach, and it, it goes back to caveman times. You know, you think about when when the cavemen when they were starving, that's when they had to be their most focused and mm -hmm. most inside and strategic, clear yeah. thinking, because they had to catch food or they die. And so I think there's a a, a, a evolutionary principle there to fasting. And that's not my thing. If you look at there's a, a slew of literature that talks about the benefits of fasting. Uh, another thing that I do practice is uh, intermittent fasting. Okay. And there's yeah. a ton of research on that. And basically, to your listeners, what intermittent fasting is, is in Google it. There's a whole lot of great information on it. It's basically where your body can enjoy the benefits of a fast, of, of a long fast, but without completely uh, 
fast starving, putting your body in the starvation state. And what intermittent fasting is, is that where you eat the bulk of your calories within an eight to six hour window during the day. And then your body uh, goes through a period to where, where it hasn't had food for 16 to 18 hours. And so it's thinking you're fasting. And therefore the, the physiological benefits and the clarity benefits kick in. Uh, and, and I really think, and, and not that your listeners have to do that every single day, but there's, a, there's some research out there that shows a 5-2 approach works where you do that for five days out of the week, and on two days you eat normal. And just in terms of maintain, losing weight uh, and also general health, that's something that works. I think as a society, and this is what I'm learning, and I truly believe, is that we just eat way too much. We look at look at the uh, obesity obsession, our epidemic in our country. I think it's because just in general we eat too much, way too much. Look at the serving sizes at restaurants. It's just it's horrible. You know, we if you if you really start paying attention to what you eat, you will see you can get by on a lot less than what society says you need to to do. I think what happened is in the 60s and 70s. Uh, there was a big focus on eating disorders, anorexia nervosa and bulimia, and the media just totally took that to where oh, we can't talk about food with kids and we can't do this and we're so scared that our kids were going to have eating disorders. And then what happened in the 90s and now the 2000s is our kids have eating disorders but they're the other way around. <laughs> you know, uh, so many of our kids are overweight because we're afraid to have those conversations. We're saying, oh my gosh, if I talk to my kids about caloric restriction, they're all going to have anorexia. That's just not the case. You know, we have to educate people. And so what I suggest to your listeners is try to experiment. Food is fun. I get it. Food is a fun thing, but try to substitute pleasurable activities instead of eating and really use food for fuel. And think about some of the things I've talked about thus far. Look up intermittent fasting. 5-2, where you eat anything you want on two, or eat normally on two days. And then on five days of the week, you intermittent fasting, where you're basically eating what you want, but you're doing that within a six to eight hour window. Or, or, or maybe try doing what you normally do and just one day of the week fast for 24 hours, nothing. And see how that makes you feel. Or see, you know, try about what I was talking about, just eating when you're hungry, as opposed to the clock see how that impacts what you do it's you know there's all these different tools and you have to find what works for you by no means do i think my approach would work for everyone but some of the things might work and the ultimate goal is to get for you to be in control not let not let your your energy level and how you feel be like rolling the dice you know you figure out what you need to do to feel good and uh diet is one component I'd say two other components are exercise and, and sleep as well. Absolutely. So, so on, on all these topics, you know, you talked a little bit about how you're giving speeches, doing seminars and classes yeah. and all this stuff. So, you know, you're a pretty busy guy. Uh, how do you, what do you do to manage all these things? How to, you know, get your sleep adequate, get, find time to exercise, um, do things like cooking and, and all that stuff because that's you know that's one of the biggest reasons that people uh think that they can't exercise is, is time like absolutely time. i don't have time to do this i don't have time to do it's that. a very very good question uh and that's where it really fits in too my thing about diets 90 percent of the equation exercise is 10. let's go to exercise for a second and i'll talk into fitting it in how we fit it in 
Uh, I think one of the problems is people have a myth about exercise and what that does and what that means to uh, losing weight or maintaining weight. Uh, you know, you, let's say you go to the gym and run on the treadmill for an hour. You might burn 600 calories, something like that. Well, that's, that's a, a big bagel, you know, one of those large size bagels that you buy, you know, at the deli. And yeah. it's, it's, you know, most people think, oh, I worked out for an hour, I can go eat a Domino's pizza. You, you just really can't. And ultimately, at the end of the day, what I believe is calories in, calories out. If you burn off more calories than you take in, you're going to lose weight. If it's an equal uh, equation, then you're not. And so in terms of the, the your question, excuse me, Michael, is that... Early in this talk, I said, you have to prioritize mm -hmm. fitness, diet. And so I prioritize it. I'm very busy, um, but I make sure, uh, you know, it's, it's very easy to prioritize diet because I, most of what I eat, it's nuts, it's protein, it's bars. Uh, or, if, you know, if I'm going out, if I'm eating in a restaurant, I make sure, you know, I'm just getting a salad with, this is what I want on it, and I want the dressing on the side. And if you can't do it, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I just take control of. There's, I don't cook a lot. I'm not a foodie. So, I, but I have to make sure that uh, I have what I need at my house. All of my nuts, protein, that kind of stuff, I can order shipped at my house. It's, it's cheaper at Amazon than I can get at Sprouts or somewhere <laughs> else. Yeah. So it just comes to my house. The produce, you know, I go a couple times a week. I go to. Uh, any of the grocery stores and get what I need. So it's you know it's not like it's a special trip for what I need. Mm -hmm. Now in terms of uh, exercise, I used to think I used to practice dysfunctional thinking, and that is I used to say, well, gosh, if I don't have an hour to work out today, then I'm not going to work out, and that was just the worst thinking I could do. Mm -hmm. Because with exercise, especially if you're focusing on diet, often with exercise, less is more. So if you you know if I have 20 minutes to get a a workout in that's better than nothing yeah and, and especially the or a brisk walk I mean sometimes I think the problem with exercise is we think we need to be marathon runners to have uh, to show an impact on our fitness well you if you the only reason you need to be a marathon runner for fitness is that if you're eating way too many calories you know and so if you are practicing at least what I'm saying in terms of uh, serving sizes and listening to your body, then exercise is just a way to kind of kickstart your body and really help you with uh, getting endorphins, help your mental clarity, uh, and, and just really complement your nutritional program. Yeah. And so when I so <clears throat> what I do is uh, I I work I try to get something in at least twice a day, early in the morning or at lunch or early in the morning, late at night or lunch one of those three times and what i try to do and, and i used to run you know 100 miles a week and i don't do that anymore yeah. i don't need to do that anymore i don't want to do that anymore yeah. so i'll run anywhere from uh two to six miles on those of those times either early in the morning or, tw or you know twice a day i'm doing something cardio and then i do uh push-ups sit-ups those kind of things using my body as resistance uh, and I do that for about 20 minutes a day. So, so there's rarely most of my workout is done within, or usually most of my workout is, it can be done in a 20 to 30 minute period to get what I need to do. 
The rest of what I, uh, there was a, there's the guy, Kenneth Cooper, he's the father of aerobics. He coined the word aerobics in the 60s. Oh, okay. He's, uh, has a big fitness institute in Dallas, Texas, and I know him, and his quote to me years ago, because he said I ran too much at that time, and he was an older guy, I went, you don't know what you're talking about. He goes, you know, anything over two miles, you're doing it for other than fitness. You know, at that time I was running 15 miles a day and I thought he was just an old guy, he didn't know what he was talking about. Well now it's come to find out he was very wise and I was the one that didn't know what I was talking about. If I can get two or three miles in and some resistance work, then that complements my diet very, very well. Now some, some weekends and I have time I want to go for a long run and I'll go for, you know, a 15 or 20 mile, but those are rare, more rare these days than the norm because I just don't need that to mm -hmm. feel good. And, but I think exercise is really critical for your heart and your, your, your overall physical fitness. But exercise is not going to get you, is not the best approach to lose weight or to maintain weight. It's, it's diet. But you need both. They're both very important. Mm -hmm. But get, once to get to your question is, in my mind, there's, very, there's not, uh, the most important thing is my health because if my if I'm not healthy I can't take care of my family mm -hmm. and I can't be a good father and husband and I can't be a good teacher and so every day I'm thinking and I put down before I, any meeting or anything else when I'm gonna exercise and I make sure that I have if I'm driving somewhere or flying somewhere I always have the fuel in my backpack that I need you know I never eat airplane peanuts or food or whatever <laughs> I've got my own yeah uh, I'm always prepared. I have an apple, or if I if I'm gonna be somewhere where I know uh, I'm sweating a lot and I worked out and I need sodium, I'll have a pickle, a dill pickle, because it's high in sodium. Oh yeah, and that's really huge in terms of you know you don't want to drink a Gatorade because that has a lot of sugar in it. If you're if you're wanting to to have endurance, uh, drink pickle juice or have a dill pickle. That's that's better. You're not gonna be eating. Uh, or drinking 300 calories and it's going to give you the electrolytes that you need. But I, I, I'm, I guess what I'm thinking is just like you prepare to, for uh, a, a trip, you know, prepare the day. What do I need today in terms of my nutrition? Yeah. And it's not that difficult if you just plan ahead. And I mean, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're someone who needs, you know, a lot of different meals and, and nice meals based on different ingredients, then go that route and, you know, Cook, cook on Sundays and have it planned. I don't have to go that route. You know, I have a baggie full of nuts and a protein bar and a soy supplements to make a shake. I'm good to go. Yeah. You know, I can eat anytime, anywhere. Um, and now, I mean, when I, when I was growing up, it was much different. But now you can walk into any grocery store. Heck, you can walk into 7-Eleven, Circle K, and there's protein bars, there's yeah. salads, there's yeah. healthy alternatives, there's fruit. You know, fresh fruit, heaven forbid, you would have never found that at a Circle K or 7-Eleven <laughs> when not. I was a kid. Yeah. So it's, 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 you just have to prioritize what's important to you and take charge, take ownership. And if someone thinks you're wacky for doing something, that's their problem. It's your body. Or if someone feels uncomfortable because you're not eating by them, that's their problem. That's not your problem. Mm -hmm. You know, the way I tell my, tell my kids and, and people who ask me, if someone's not going to like me uh, because I didn't eat something they cooked, then they're not my friends anyway. <laughs> you got it? I yeah. Mean, that's, that's, that's my approach. Yeah. So you make, your question is how do you find time? You make the time. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's important to you, you do it. I like, I like the way you, re, you kind of frame the, the exercise and nutrition portion of instead of 
that is my priority, you make it about your family. So you say, you know, I need to, oops, I need to take care of my family and exercise and nutrition is going to help me do that. So it's, it's not so much that the exercise and nutrition is, is the primary goal, yeah. it's what augments or allows you to, to, fill, to satisfy your other priorities. Oh, well, let me give the, your reader or your listeners a visual. You know, if you have uh, three pillars of the house, the foundation is diet of my, of Chris Neck's house. The foundation, the, the concrete slab, is diet and exercise. Yeah. The one pillar is my wife. Another pillar is my kids. Another pillar is my students. And another p- pillar is the other part of my job, my research and writing. Mm-hmm. None of those work unless I'm fit. Yeah. Now the other component that I, I, that I admit I've slacked off on that is critical, that I've really paid attention to over the last three or four years, and that's the component of sleep. Uh, you know, I, I was, in my younger days, I could do all, I could, you know, I, I, I just as I had to learn, I, I didn't realize how important diet was. I used to think it was all exercise. And now I learned that, that diet is huge. And I used to think sleep's not that important. It was almost like a badge of honor (laughs) to, oh, I went two days without much sleep. Well, that's kind of dumb if someone says that because they're hurting themselves. You hear that from so many, so many people, especially like high level executives, you know, CEOs and all that stuff. Like they talk about, oh yeah, when I was starting my company, I didn't sleep at all. Or I only slept like three hours a night or something like that. Something absurd. Uh, and so, you know, people, even myself, start to think like, you know, that's just kind of what you have to do if you want to, you know, do things like this. So it, um, it, it's just difficult because, you know, and especially, this is kind of just me talking, not even like just for like, audi- like uh, audience and stuff, but um, I'm kind of under, some, somewhat under the belief that, you know, you kind of do have to sacrifice sleep and, and even some of like your health and exercise and all that stuff in order to achieve uh, some of the, some of the things that you see, like, you know, big name people do, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, pr- part of the problem is we see these isolated instances and then we generalize. For example, yeah. you see, uh, um, uh, someone who, like, uh, what's his name? Richard Branson. Yeah. Who didn't go to college. Virgin Mobile, by the Virgin way. Virgin Mobile. And people go, oh, well, he didn't go to college. So people go, oh, well, you don't need a college degree. <laughs> you know, so you know, you you say you take a few successes and, and generalize, and you say, or you hear these successful people say, I didn't get sleep. But what you don't see is, okay, what happened later? They had a heart attack. They had divorce. They, um, they had alcoholism. You know, you don't, you don't you you tie success into not sleeping mm-hmm. and yeah i mean i admit too you know i didn't sleep as much when i was getting my phd and other things but during those times i was making sure you know i may not be able to do there's diet exercise and sleep well maybe at some point in time you can't focus on all three mm-hmm. but if you're focusing like i know when i travel i don't sleep as well so i even focus even harder on diet on those times. Okay, gotcha. If I know, or if I know, uh, uh, if uh, you know, if for some reason I stray off of my diet, I know. All right, I'm gonna have to. I'm, I've got to exercise more. I got to compensate for that. 
in, in but but that is hard to compensate. Poor diet is just so hard to compensate. So it it, it points in times, Michael. I mean, we are human. Yeah, you may, and when you're in your 20s or teens, it's a lot easier. Your body can rebound a lot, can deal with lack of sleep. I'd say as you get older, it's much more difficult. And not that I sleep more, but I do things, you know, I'll take a 20-minute nap or an hour nap here yep. in the day. And because what I realize is that by doing those things, I, over the long haul, you know, you say, well, these people, they sacrifice sleep. Uh, I'm not saying you got to sleep 14 hours a night. But I think you need to figure out for you to function effectively, what's the minimal amount of sleep you're going to need to yeah. do. Or, or if you're, you know, you mentioned to me you're, you're, you're going to be pursuing graduate level work and then being an entrepreneur at the same time. Well, you may not be able to sleep 12 hours at one shot, but that doesn't <laughs> mean during the day you can't take a 40 minute nap. And That's a good point. You know, just realize that it's not all or nothing. Mm -hmm. And realize these cases of people who say they did that, th those could be generalized you know, exceptions. Let's look at the, at, at the whole. But ultimately find out what works for you. Mm -hmm. you know, Stephen Jobs did that. You know, he went through, you know, he experimented with, with uh, hallucinate, hallucinate, what's, what's the word? I'm hallucinogens? It? Hallucinogens. He ate carrots only for like a year. You know, he was, he was on his own journey of experimentation too. And, and I think... You know, part of a part of success in, in what you said earlier is experiment. Find out what works for you. Mm -hmm. And you know, meat doesn't work for me. It doesn't help me. It makes me feel lethargic. My body functions. And I'll just be real candid to your audience. You know, it it prevents it imp impedes my irregular my regularity on a day to day <laughs> basis. Gotcha. So find out what you know what works for you. And in there's no one pill, and I think that's what we're searching for as a society. Yeah. And, and, and also 100%. to be successful with that, you know, we think it takes these revolutionary changes to, to start losing weight or to get more fit. No, it can be very simple. So yeah. for example, when you park your car at the store, at your school or at work, park in the farthest parking place you possibly can yeah. and take the steps every day and do that for a month, you'll, you'll feel better. Or, or even something just like include one vegetable a day. Include one vegetable a day or, you know, take out salad dressing. That's it. Yeah. Or, or take out soda, sugar soda, you know, I, you know, whatever it might be. Or, you know, substitute something. It's, it's simple things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're, you're, you, as you said, it's, it's, it's um, baby steps. And you'll, you'll, if you can change what you do 1%. Is, is what I found. Yeah. And you define that any way you want to, you'll see benefits. Yeah, I think, um, I forgot who, who talked about this, but someone said that moderation is the extreme. Because so many people say, or so many people kind of wear that, that extreme, you know, that like, I only eat this, or like, yeah. I, you know, cut all this out of my diet, or whatever it may be, like, these are extremes. And so people kind of want to uh, ascribe to those to those things, kind of wear it as a badge of honor, like you said. Right. But it's so much harder to be in the middle. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and, and you're exactly right. It's harder, and you know, I would say that I, someone from the outside looking in, would say I do extreme mm -hmm. things. But I don't define it as extreme. To me, extreme is when you deprive yourself of something. Uh, and just to, to kind of go one way, I, I mean, my whole approach is not deprivation. If it, if it was, it would only last a certain amount of time. Yeah. So if you're, def I enjoy 
what I eat. I like the things that I eat. I don't want the things I, you know, I don't want a glazed donut or, or say something I really, in, in another, that if I was just eating anything I wanted to whenever I wanted to. I, you know, I'd eat a Dairy Queen blizzard every single day of the week. I love Dairy Queen, I mean, ice cream <laughs> in a blizzard. I'd eat, yeah. eat four or five a day. But the, in, the cost related to that doesn't exceed the enjoyment. So I'm not depriving myself. And so you have to find an approach where every single day what you're doing is something you, not, you enjoy doing. You can do it. It's not a deprivation. And it's something that you can say, hey, I can adopt this as a lifestyle and practice it forever uh, or for a long time. Otherwise, you're just going to be on a short-term approach. You might lose 10 or 20 pounds, but then you're going to put on 40 when it's done. Yeah. So don't try to do something that's so difficult and so hard that you can't stick to it. It's you're setting yourself up. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, one uh, a big movement right now in the fitness diet world is is based off this: the best diet is the one that you can stick with. So, hundred percent. So you know, especially like with with the the emergence of the ketogenic diet, you know, everyone wants to be on keto and they want to do keto this, keto that, but so many people don't understand how to do it properly. And so they won't see the benefits that a ketogenic diet can have. Um, so if you know if Absolutely. they if they try to do it, they can't stick. They won't, and they don't stick to it. Then they're not going to see the results, and they're going to be like, oh well, this doesn't work. Well, it, you know, it can work, but you're just not doing it right. And and, and that's yeah. fine. Exactly. And that's fine that you can't stick to it, but just find something else that you can stick to. Well, you Google or go to Amazon and type in diet book, you'll get a plethora, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of diet books. And, you know, as Michael said, the, the diet, the best diet is the one you can stick to. And that's why you just need to try out. Like I had a friend of mine, he lost a ton of weight recently. I said, what did you do? He said, I just cut out sugar completely in my diet. I eat pizza, I eat this, but I just make sure the tomato sauce doesn't have, you know, a sugar in it. And so for him, his body and sugar just doesn't work. For someone else, I know, you know, they, now this is a short-term thing, but they just, they ate, you know, they didn't eat regular meals, but they ate sweets because they like desserts yeah. for a period of a month and they lost a ton of weight. Now you obviously can't stick to that and it's not a good nutritional thing, but the, in terms of getting what your body needs, but the whole point of the story is it's, it's, it's not difficult to lose weight. I mean, you can short term, you, you know, you, you can find something that loses it. But as Mike, Michael said, what can you stick to? Because the, the, the challenge is for most people is keeping it off. Yeah. And if you go through a short term thing, you see it all the time. I'm gonna lose 20 minutes, 20 pounds for the wedding or 20 pounds for the marathon or 20 pounds for the birthday. And then the birthday comes, bam. And you know, people get back to the way they were eating originally. And that's what I said earlier on. Don't view fitness as a goal. View it at, in, the may, in the manner of, I'm gonna run a marathon in December, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds by three weeks. View it as a daily thing. And if you do that, then you know, let's say you lost 15 pounds in 20 weeks, then it's not a failure. It's, hey, I lost 15 pounds. What do you need to do every day to be fit? Every day to be fit. And if that's too hard for you to, to, comp to comprehend, say, what do I need to do six days of the week? to be fit. And then pick one day out of the week. Some people need a cheat day. I don't, to me, I'm habitual. If I go, if I 
if I quote cheat, then it's hard to get back on track. So to me, it's seven days, 24 seven. Yeah. Uh, but find out once again, what works for you. And yeah. it's a journey and you'll have good days and bad days. And you hey, I'm getting back on it. Yeah. And I think as well to, to use these, the tools of exercise and nutrition properly, I think it starts with, with identifying those priorities because then you can say, this is what's important to me. And now I'm going to use exercise and nutrition in these in which these ways, you know, you define those ways um, to to satisfy those priorities that I have. So I think starting with what's important to me, whether that is taking care of your family or you know starting a company or just you know getting good grades in school or whatever it may be, um, I think starting starting there and then. Uh, including or yeah just including nutrition exercise into into satisfying those those needs and priorities is is a good approach to that i think it's well said and and when you view it as a tool like you said michael then you can choose how to use it you know i use the the metaphor of a foundation of a house for some people maybe it's not maybe it's just you know it's another pillar and they don't want to spend much time is thinking about it and, and that's fine uh what you said, this is, this is someone recently asked me, and it made me think, they, they're in an in a industry in sales where he has to do a whole lot of entertaining. Mm -hmm. And he says, Christian, I just I keep putting on weight because I have to take my clients out to dinner. And I said, <laughs> I said Mike, and his yeah. name's Mike, yeah. I said, Mike, you know, you have to decide what's the most important. You can still take them out to dinner, but you, you know, you don't have to order the chicken wings. You know, you can order a salad and at every meal. And if they look at you funny, say, hey, you know, I'm really trying to, to, to lose weight and I'm getting older and it's really important to me. And what I found is when I do that around people, rarely do they go, oh, you're, you're a party pooper. Usually they start asking questions. Yeah. And they look up to you and they go, you know what? That's you know, I need to start doing the same thing too. It's, you know, we think we're in high school again where people are, oh, they're gonna think we're crazy and wacko because uh, uh, we're eating a certain way. I think you can, when you start taking responsibility for your body and you model that behavior, people see that and they go, I wanna do that too. We're all in the boat together. You know, very few of us, there, there's a great quote I said, I can't remember who said it, it's not mine, but they said in your teens and certain point in your 20s, uh, you, uh, are, you can get by with your health, with your diet and exercise. You, you, know, you can kind of fool your body. But at a certain point after your, your, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, you, you can't fool. It's all, <laughs> it, it's, oh, I know what the quote was. Is, your, you know, your body uh, up to a certain point in your fitness is can get by on genetics up to a certain point. But at some point, it's all about your behavior. And you see, I start seeing that the older I get, you know, I'll go to a high school reunion and, you know, people look at me and go, man, you know, I'm the anomaly because I'm fit. And yeah. the, the, the norm is very overweight. And that's just not the way it's supposed to be. As you get older, you're supposed to become less fit. And you know, you, uh, you're, you just, 
you're ultimately responsible for what you want to do. And if you model good health and good fitness, people, people are you know, drawn to that, I think. Because we're all, and my point is we're all searching for the answers. You know, we're all in that same boat together. I am just as much as you. you know, I'm learning from you, you're learning from me, what works. I'm discovering every day you know, new products. Just the other day I found, because I like, I like um, to get, you know, a different source of protein besides supplements and the, the, the low sugar bars that I eat. Well, there's this, this company I said, this makes these, this protein cereal. It's like these puffs, it's like kicks, you know, the kick cereal. Yes. But it's protein puffs and it's whey protein. I went, ah, you know, so I'm learning what works and if my body's gonna like it or not. And uh, it's, it's a journey and yeah. I, I, you know, I love being on the journey. I love learning uh, about, about things and that's, you know, I hope people can learn from this podcast. Cool. Well, uh, I was going to say we finished it off there, but uh, I have a request. All right. So do you remember? So uh, Dr. Neck was actually a professor of mine a couple, uh, what, two years ago? Two years ago now, I think. Um, and at the, the very first class that you did, you, I think you do this for every class. At the very first class that we have, you uh, say a, uh, I don't know if it's like a quote or like a poem that you, that you made. Yes. You know what I'm referring yeah, to? Yeah, leading the band. I yes. Do. Could I you do. could you uh, finish this off with that? You know, I don't. You know, if I would have known beforehand, <laughs> I would have brought. I would have. Uh, I would have brought the. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm trying to think if I can pull it up real quickly. Uh, if if you can't, it's fine. Wait, I'll... Hold on, no, but it's it's a great. It's one of my favorite poems. Hold on one second. Uh, Why I'm just just looking. If I'm real lucky here. It'll pop up. I'll include it in the show notes if you don't, if okay. you can't find it. But and uh, but if for anyone who's listening, while you're searching, uh, is there anything that you like to shout out or kind of plug? I know you have a website. Uh, is there anything like that that you want to make known to people uh, that they can find you? Absolutely. Um, hold on one second while we're talking. I'm gonna try one more time. Uh, I'm a professor at Arizona State University. And there's only one neck at Arizona State University. <laughs> if anyone wants to get in touch with me, but I also have um, a website. It's chrisneck.com, C-H-R-I-S-N-E-C-K.com, uh, and it lists all of my books and a lot of my research on there. And it also has um, contact information uh, for me. Um, uh, for anyone who wants to to uh, reach out to me, um, here I hold. I'm trying one more time to see if I have it here. Boom, we got it. All right, let's hear it. Here we go. Here's the poem leading the band, and I wrote this poem. It's in my book, Medicine for the Mind: Healing Words to Help You Soar. Leading the band, she was going to be the president of the U.S. of A. He was going to become an actor in a Broadway play. As youngsters, these were their dreams, the visions they aspired to. They truly thought these aspirations eventually would one day come true. But you know what? She didn't become president. The reason is the ultimate sin. She never ran for office. She feared she would not win. He didn't make it to New York City, in fact, never set foot on the stage. He thought he'd forget her. He thought he'd forget I'm sorry, I messed up. He <laughs> thought he'd forget his lines. In other words, he was afraid. 
The lesson in these stories is that you must get up and try. If you let your fears control you, your dreams will quickly die. Because if you want to hit a home run, you have to go up to the plate. If you want to meet that special person, you got to ask them for a date. The biggest crime in life is to forget what you have dreamt. It's not the act of losing, but to have never made the attempt. So as you battle with your fears in life, remember this brief command. If you're not afraid to face the music, you may one day lead the band. And are you still ta- are we still taping? Yeah. And Michael, I, I'm glad you asked me to read that because to close the, the podcast is that I think you know we're all capable of leading the band in terms of our fitness and Absolutely. nutrition. It's just really a matter of education and self-experimentation mm-hmm. and also having the courage to prioritize your fitness and your, and your health above everything else. Uh, but I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your listeners today. Thank you so much, Dr. Neck. This is awesome. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much for listening. You can find me, Michael Navarro, on Instagram and Facebook. Just let's search my name, Michael Navarro, on Facebook. Instagram is Mikey Ernesto underscore the Agora. Uh, and you can find my website at www. Or you don't need the www. Uh, just do agora10.com, A-G-O-R-A-T-E-N.com. We will talk to you guys next time. Thank you so much again for listening.